This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. At the very least, an apology for... Uh, I'm so sorry that I had these two high-profile cabinet ministers that didn't feel like they could talk to me. I Obviously, I need to change what I'm doing. Just some kind of mea culpa that he understands the gravity of the situation that he finds himself in, and yet it's not there. So we're going to talk more about this. Uh, but first, let's just recap sort of what happened today. During that morning news conference, he didn't apologize for what has unfolded so far in this SNC-Lavalin case. He did stress that he continues to believe he continues to believe that there was no inappropriate pressure applied to Jody Wilson-Raybould to stop a criminal prosecution of SNC-Lavalin. Meanwhile, Conservative leader Andrew Scheer says the Prime Minister still isn't explaining why his staff kept pressuring Jody Wilson-Raybould after she had said that a final decision was made. Meanwhile, at that press conference this morning, our global news reporter Amanda Connolly straight up asked Prime Minister Trudeau directly, if he was prepared to offer an apology. And here was his reply. Hi, Amanda Connolly with Global. Uh, Prime Minister, thank you for taking our questions today. Just to clarify, are you apologizing for anything today? Um, I will be making an Inuit apology this afternoon. But in regards to, uh, and in regards to standing... In regards to standing up for jobs and defending the integrity of our, our rule of law, um, I continue to say that there was no inappropriate pressure. I'm obviously reflecting on lessons learned through this, and I think Canadians expect that of us, that any time we go through periods of internal disagreement and indeed uh, challenges to internal trust as we have, there are things that we have to reflect on and understand and do better next time. Yeah, that still didn't cut it for a lot of people out there. Why is it so hard for some politicians to say, I'm sorry? Well, let's talk more about this. We're joined now by Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief. Hi, Keith. Hi, Timmy. What did you think of that this morning? I uh, I was not expecting an apology after listening to Jerry Butts yesterday. They clearly, the uh, Prime Minister's office is clearly of the view that they think they, they themselves did nothing wrong. And therefore, if you walk back from that, they don't think there's anything to apologize for. And so after hearing butts, I wasn't expecting an apology. I was expecting a little more contriteness yes. from the Prime Minister. With, you know, short of an absolute I am sorry, I think a little more contrition uh, here would have, I think, played better with people. I don't think, I still think he's stubbornly clinging to the notion that there's nothing to see here, folks, move on. And I think his communications from day one on this has been tone deaf. That doesn't quite grasp that that Wilson Rabo made some pretty alarming allegations. And even though you den- if you deny them, the fact is he's lost two high-profile women from his cabinet. And I think he can't pretend to, be- to think that there's nothing wrong here, there's nothing to see, we did absolutely nothing wrong. Uh, but uh, clearly he's stubbornly sticking to a script that's been there unchanged from day one. Yeah, tone deaf is a good way to put it. I mean, regardless of, uh, this happened on his watch. Even if he he Mm -hmm. personally believes nothing happened, it still happened on his watch, and there is a problem. So shouldn't he, as you said, show some contrition for that? I think he would serve him well to show more contrition than he currently has. I have talked to some people in that government um, who are continue to have a problem not so much with Jody Wilson-Raybo, but with Jane Philpott, whose letter, if you look at that, uh, is actually much more 
condemning of the Trudeau cabinet than Wilson Raybo's comments are. Wilson Raybo was basically uh, criticizing some staff people uh, and and indirectly the, the prime minister himself. But Philpott's letter throws the entire cabinet under an unethical bus. And that's what I, one of the things I think they've been grappling with. I think Philpott's resignation turned this into a um, sort of a harder-edged, uh, firm position from them in terms of being stubbornly refusing to acknowledge that anything uh, to apologize to Jane Philpott for. And I think there's a, I've picked up the fact that there's, they seem to be distinguishing between Wilson Raybould and Philpott. Yeah. I think they are probably genuinely sorry. They should say they're sorry about Wilson Raybould. Philpott, though, I think I detect uh, her resignation and the tone of that letter caused an angry reaction from the PMO at a time perhaps when they were maybe heading towards the, the sort of being more contrite toward Wilson-Raybould. Philpott's actions, though, I think has sort of hardened the position of the PMO. Interesting. You've been doing this a long time. Like, how? Why is it, do you think, so difficult for a politician oh, yeah. to say, I'm sorry? Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, there's so many eagles involved here. Uh, and it's also, people make, I think, turn these questions into more complicated matters than they have to be. That somehow saying your story is a sign of weakness, and yeah. really it's not. I think there's a, numerous instances over history where apologies or even tears sometimes work to a politician's favor. I remember Gordon Campbell in the impaired driving situation right. in Hawaii. I mean, he apologized and he actually teared up and his approval rating went up in the polls. I mean, people do... I don't think look at a politician worse if they apologize for their actions. But I go back to what I said at the beginning. They clearly think they did nothing wrong. And therefore, if you take that position, they think there's nothing to apologize for. And I think that's, uh, again, I wouldn't be surprised if, if take Jane, Jane Philpott out of the equation. Maybe there would have been an apology to Wilson Raybould, but I think Philpott's letter uh, saying basically by implication that the entire cabinet is unethical. I think that makes it so hard for Trudeau to say, I'm sorry, because he doesn't want to apologize to Jane Philpott. Right. You said that you've talked to some people in the government mm-hmm. there. Like, how are they feeling? Is it a fear? Are they beleaguered? Are they like battening down the hatches? What's going on? I think there's a frustration. I think there's probably different camps that, are, that have been created there, D- different types of advice. I think the prime minister was getting two sets of advice, one to be very contrite. The other one was saying, no way, that Philpott uh, ha- cannot be uh, looked on with sympathy at all, and you've got to take a tough position. The key now going forward, though, it's quite one thing to you know be in the National Press Theater and talk to reporters. The key for Trudeau going forward, I've covered, I've covered six leadership crises here, uh, and there's a, there's a commonality to all of them. It, cabinet really doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's your caucus. And I've talked to some politicians here, and they all agree in both the NDP and Liberal caucuses this year. It's the key here is for the prime minister to be able to hold on to the support of his caucus. He's got a big caucus. Already he's got a couple of MPs speaking out against him or expressing support for Wilson Rabo and not him. Uh, he's got to not only keep his cabinet together, he's got to keep his caucus together. And if you start seeing signs of caucus members now speaking up and, and criticizing the prime minister or saying they're unsure about his leadership, that can become a very leaky ship very quickly. And that would imperil his prime ministership. We're not there yet. And again, we've seen no signs of that happening. 
but that's what I'm keeping my eye on. If caucus members start speaking up about this, that's a sign that uh, what right now has been a, a mini crisis could turn into a full fledged crisis about his leadership. It's interesting. We're not, there, we're not there yet. It's interesting how they always try to take pains to say that oh we're not like the previous government. We're not like. <laughs> but, but in many ways, Stephen Harper had a much tighter control of what was going on with his cabinet and caucus than the prime minister does now. Oh, exactly. And I think uh, Harper was an uber-control uh, leader. Uh, he had very little of these types of problems. I think Wilson, Raybould, and Philpott, it's been pointed out, they're sort of new to politics. Uh, they, don't, they haven't come up through the party ranks and, you know, working on campaigns and nominations and sort of the, the seamy underside of politics that's always there no matter who's in government. And uh, that's one reason I think the PMO miscalculated with these two, particularly Wilson-Raybould, that this was going to be a type of, of behavior or judgment that they were just not used to. And Harper never had that problem. But uh, we're going to see just what type of hold yeah. Justin Trudeau and what type of loyalty he's instilled in his caucus. Uh, I think a lot of them think he got them to where they are now. But do they believe that he will get them, uh, will continue to deliver them into to government? We'll know, I think, in the, in the next few weeks whether that, that ship remains a, a tight, solid one or whether it becomes very leaky. Okay, so do you think an apology is necessary? Uh, I don't think it ever hurts to say, I'm sorry for how things have ha- been handled. In retrospect, I think I would have done things different. And I'm sorry if, if, if people were... It's, it's all in the wording, I think. Um, but again, I just think when politicians think they've got nothing to apologize for, That's that the worst. they've done nothing wrong, it's impossible to get them to say, I'm sorry. And, you know, Gordon Campbell really couldn't argue with a drunk driving conviction. I mean, there it is. How do you argue with that? In this case, they're saying what they're alleging never happened. Therefore, I'm not saying I'm sorry. But I think there's a difference between being saying I'm sorry and being more contrite. And I think the prime minister might be a little more contrite in the days ahead. Uh, but we'll see. He's proving to be fairly stubborn on this thought. Oh, so awesome. Listen, Keith, thank you for your time. Anytime. Appreciate that. Keith Baldry, Global BC Legislative Bureau Chief, weighing in on the uh, latest situation on this story from Ottawa, of course, involving SNC-Lavalin.